Would you pray with me? And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto thee, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. When I was growing up, I was scared of God. I don't remember ever being told that I should be afraid of God. I just was. There was an expression parents commonly used back then, God's going to get you for that. I'm not sure that they meant anything by it, but in my childlike literalism, I just knew that God was sitting in heaven judging all the bad things that I did and that God was going to get me. Well, this was my underlying assumption about God for many, many years. And then in college, I learned about grace, God's infinite, unconditional love. God actually loved me, loved me enough to send Jesus into the world, loved me enough to save me and claim me as part of God's family. Now, if I've, as I've told you before, this experience changed my life and set my path for my adult life and ministry. I've dedicated myself to helping other people experience God's infinite, unconditional love in their lives, and then helping them rearrange and reorder their lives around this love that cannot be bought or earned. This has been the driving force in my life for over 40 years. Well, I take us down memory lane today to give perspective to my next statement. Today, I'm deeply troubled by the way most modern Christians characterize God. I believe that in our efforts to overcome those older images of God as abstract ruler and wrathful judge, we have made God warm and fuzzy, so much so that we don't have to take God seriously. Well, part of this is Jesus' own fault. Like us, Jesus lived and taught in a time when the common folk thought that God didn't care about them, that God had forgotten their plight, unless, of course, they followed the rules set out by the scribes and Pharisees. So Jesus spent much of his time teaching about a God who cares for widows and orphans and Samaritans and other outcasts. We've spent much of this year studying the Gospel of Matthew in which Jesus consistently proclaims a God whose love transcends the rules and transforms ordinary people into extraordinary witnesses of forgiveness, community, and graceful love. Now this was a part, a forgotten part, of God's character that Jesus proclaimed. People all knew the judgment side, so Jesus proclaimed the mercy side. And today we know the mercy side so we can reclaim the standard God has set for all people. When we read the scriptures, we see that Jesus consistently held this balance in his teaching. He talked about God's love, but then he told today's parable of the sheep and the goats. And he told the parable of the bridesmaids before that, and of the wedding feast in Luke 14, in which none of the original guests were allowed to come into the feast because they let everyday affairs and choices get in the way of God's great plan. When we read carefully, we see Jesus himself warned about the parables of taking God too lightly or for granted. 
Now, familiarity may not breed contempt, but it definitely breeds familiarity. And this familiarity breeds an expectation that God will always be on our side, regardless of which side we choose, that God will always pick us up and dust us off whenever we fall short, without, of course, any consequences for our willful choosing what we knew was wrong in the first place. Frank Stagg, one of my favorite New Testament scholars, called today's scripture reading the final exam. It was the climax of Jesus' teaching in Matthew, following the warnings of being prepared for the master's return, the warnings about making sure our actions match our words, the warnings about using what we have to further the agenda of the master. And now we receive one more warning that brings all the earlier warnings to a head. How will the nations be judged? How will God make the final grade? Do you want to be a sheep or a goat? We all know the first principle of interpreting the Bible is to begin by determining what the passage meant to its original audience. A good example of this shows up with the commandment to love your neighbor as yourself. We usually interpret this commandment in terms of the golden rule. You know it. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And unfortunately, we usually miss the point today because our values are so different from the first century. In our modern middle-class world, our primary desire for others is to leave us alone, not to bother us, just to live our lives without interference. Well, this is an appropriate response, if you already have everything you need. But most of the original audience were not modern, middle-class Americans. They were poor and vulnerable of the first century, who depended on others to provide for them and their families. They needed each other just to survive. We see this clearer, clearer in Luke 6:31, when Jesus uses the golden rule in the middle of a sermon that begins saying, if you love those who love you, what credit is that for you? He goes on to command his followers to love your enemies, to do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And then he goes on to say, our reward will be great because we are the children of God who is, quote, kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, he says, just as your father is merciful. Pope Francis must have been reading this passage. In the splendor of St. Peter's Basilica in Rome, Pope Francis denounced those who dismiss poverty as not my business and defined indifference to the needy as great sin. Prior to COVID and after a mass in St. Peter's, he had lunch with 1,500 poor people from across Europe. The least of these were invited to share a meal and a prayer with the church. I love that. Can't you just imagine him at the table moving easily with these people the world has forgotten, looking them in the eye and sharing a smile of recognition and love? 
To not do wrong is not enough, he said. Not using our lives to help others is a great sin where the poor are concerned. He went on to say, here it has a specific name, indifference. It is when we say, that doesn't concern me, it's not my business, it's society's problem. God will not ask us if we felt righteous indignation, but whether we did something good. And I love the way he ended that homily. The poor, those whom the world views as having little value, they are the ones who open to us the way to heaven. They are our passport to paradise. A common misunderstanding of grace is that God loves everybody the same. And in one sense, this is true, but it isn't the whole story. In truth, God loves the least of these more. Throughout scripture, we read about God's special provision for the poor and vulnerable. Those whom society values less, God instructs us to value more, to make sure they are cared for, to make sure they have what they need to survive and be whole. This mandate for special concern and treatment has never expired. It, it, we are still under the obligation as God's people to make sure the hungry are fed, the stranger is welcomed, the naked are clothed, the prisoner is visited and provided for. Friends, awareness is not enough. Good intentions are not enough. We are preparing to celebrate a Thanksgiving that will be unique in our lifetime, and many of us will realize our blessings in new ways. The next line is hard for me to say because, as you know, I am obsessed with gratitude, but here it is. Gratitude is vital for moving beyond ourselves, but even gratitude is not enough. Gratitude opens our eyes, but we must take the next step and act upon what we see. As we gather this Thursday for a unique Thanksgiving, be grateful, be thankful. And then on Friday, put your gratitude into action. Friends, the final exam is set. We not only know the questions, we know the answers. And we know why the answers are so important, because it all comes from the Christ who loves us so. Even the goats are loved truly and deeply. Even the goats are guided into more grateful ways to live with what life they have left. Nothing we do or say will change our status before a merciful God. God will not get you, my friends. God already has you, which is exactly why we are freed up to say and do and give the things that will make this God most happy. Happy Thanksgiving, my friends. Be thankful and go and do good. Amen.